0: Well, my name is Ben Kearns. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And uh, one of my most favorite things to do in the whole wide world is just to go to the movies. I love it. And, uh, and when I go to the movies, I do the whole experience. I get the large popcorn, the large drink. I get all my sodium fix, and I'm all just like... Mm-hmm just wired, this for the previews, and then I sit and watch the movies, and I know, and I love it. I love it. Um, I feel bad because in Marin, you should have good hobbies like mountain bike riding and um, marathon running and eating farm-fresh food and surfing, and, and I try to fit into Marin well, and I can do that at a very low grade with people because I love people and I want to do that, but in my heart, if I was going to do, what am I going to do this afternoon? I'm going to the movies by myself and I'm going to eat popcorn, and I'm just going to soak up movies. Well, this summer, uh, the box office took a big hit, but one of the big movies that happened this summer was Wonder Woman. Did any of you guys see Wonder Woman? It was, a, it was an incredible movie. Um, I, I really liked it, um, and it's this great story. Um, if you like DC Comics, I'm not a big comic book person, um, but this was a great film. And here's the basic gist of the movie. Uh, It's World War I, and humans are just killing each other left and right. It's World War I, and it is the worst of of the human expression of all time. And uh, and, and outside, protected from the mayhem of human chaos, is this little island of Amazon women who are just beautiful and gorgeous and warriors, and they're preparing for the ultimate battle between good and evil um, because there's this god of war, Ares, who is corrupting the heart of men. And, um, and what I love about this movie, and I think part of the reason, it wasn't just a good movie production-wise, but I think it, it, it tapped into something culturally. People are wondering what in the world is going on, right? People in their hearts, they go, they get that humans are valuable are worthy of dignity. There's something incredible about humans and our, our capacity for empathy and love and creativity. And at the exact same time, we are, have this capacity for evil and death and destruction. And every culture in the whole world has tried to figure out what is going on with humans. Well, in this story, the deal is that humans are these great, you know, noble creatures, but the, the god of war has corrupted their hearts, and the war has made it into the Amazon island. And uh, Diana, who turns into Wonder Woman, is like, it is my job to wreck shop and to solve the, and to save the day. And I'm like, yes, we need a savior like Wonder Woman. I mean, I mean, I love our savior; he's in a robe and nice hair and everything. But I mean, the savior like Wonder Woman would be legit. And in uh, the whole movie, that's what she does. She goes in, enters World War I into the trench warfare and. Uh, and takes on um, the, the Axis, or I guess that wasn't World War I. He takes on the bad guys, the Germans and all those guys. And, uh, and ultimately, not only defeats them, but then defeats the god of war and, win- and, the, and, and the good wins. And I, and I watched this movie and I'm like, that is what I'm talking about. I'm so tired of the bad guys winning. I'm tired of death and destruction. I'm tired of all the pain and chaos of the world. We need a savior like Wonder Woman who's going to show up with her awesome shield and all of her sweet jujitsu moves and just wreck shop on the bad guys. And, uh, and, I, and I see myself in the movie. There's all these like, guys who were like part of her team and they like ran behind her. And, uh, and that's me. I want to run behind Wonder Woman. And be like, whatever you want, you know. We don't really bring anything to the table. Wonder Woman does it all. Well, when I think of it, this, I think that is the story. The Wonder Woman story is really the story of all humans. Every human culture over the whole world has had wrestling with this idea that humans are incredible and awful people. And yet somewhere in our... Goodness, we need a savior. We need someone to bring the best out of our humanity and, uh, and to defend us and to save us. And, um, and a lot of people said, man, Wonder Woman is like a good Christian movie. And it kind of is a good Christian movie in the sense of like the big arc of things, right? There's humans and there's a fall and uh, the, the world that we live in is corrupted and broken and awful and Wonder Woman comes and saves the day. And in the scriptures, revelations, we, we see Jesus actually at the end of all things. Jesus comes like Wonder Woman, wreck shop, saves the day, Cast uh, Satan and all the demons the lake of fire. The new Jerusalem comes. There's no more crying, no more pain. We live together in harmony with God, and he is with us, and we are with each other, and it is incredible. Amen. That'd be a great movie, and it was Wonder Woman. But what's challenging about Wonder Woman um, is that that story is not really our story. I think for us to have a good sense of what in the world is going on, we have to understand the big story, but we have to understand where we sit within that story. We don't sit at Revelations 20 right before Jesus is going to throw the Satan and the demons in the lake of fire. I mean, maybe that would happen. That would be really great. But we, that's not what we do. We do not live in Revelations 20. We live somewhere in the middle of the story. And somewhere in the middle of the story, a Savior did come. But our Savior came in a totally different, weird and wild way, in an unexpected way, one that we could never really get our head around. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus begins his ministry. So Jesus, um, he goes to his hometown in Nazareth. So he, as he's ready to start his ministry, he's 30, and he's, ready to, he's developing an understanding, of, oh my goodness, God is calling me, I'm, I'm God's son, I'm this prophet, I'm the Messiah. And he's coming to terms with who he is, and he goes to Nazareth, and he reads the scroll, which is the, in Isaiah, and he says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind, set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of our Lord's favor. And I just imagine if you're sitting in Nazareth under Roman oppression, under religious corruption, being poor and not knowing where your next meal is going to come from, and, and, the, and this person with authority and power stands before and reads this, "'The Spirit of the Lord is upon me "'because He has anointed me "'to proclaim good news to the poor. "'He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners "'and recovery of sight for the blind, "'to set the oppressed free, "'and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor.'" And he says, "'Today this scripture is fulfilled in your presence.'" And if I'm sitting in the synagogue, I'm like, yes, Wonder Woman is here. Let's go. Let's wreck shop. Here we go. And I would just imagine that's how the story would go. If I was writing the movie, that's how it would go. Jesus would proclaim this. He would leave Nazareth. He would head on down to Jerusalem. He would hook up with the Zealots, and he would crush the Romans. And it would be an epic movie. A little bit of a less epic movie is he would go down to Jerusalem. He would hook up with the Pharisees and say, let's kick the Sadducees out of the temple because they're ruining things. Or, which would still be not a great movie, but would be okay, is that he would go and find all the rich disgruntled people and gather them together and come up with a political way to make things right so at least there would be some more food for the hungry people. It wouldn't be that good of a movie, but that would still be pretty good. But that's not what Jesus does. This verse says that it's the calling of the Messiah to be anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. That's what Jesus came to do. But what he did, he did it in this totally unexpected way. He did it in Nazareth. One of the commentators I read this week said, Nazareth, it's, it's this disregarded valley in a despised province in a conquered land. What good would ever come from Nazareth? It's our version of Willits. What in the world is going on? It's not even Ukiah. That's where Jesus comes and he proclaims this. And then he doesn't even go to Jerusalem. He goes to Galilee. It's like he goes then to Lake Orville and he sets up shop around Lake Orville and that's where he's going to do ministry. What's up there? There's some good wakeboarding sometimes and that's it. But Jesus goes to the Sea of Galilee. He goes to Caesarea and he he begins to start his ministry. He heals people. He calls Peter and James and John. Fishermen who were too old to do anything else. He calls these people to be his disciples. And he goes and he begins to proclaim good news to the poor. But he does it not in a systemic way. He does it in this individual way. He goes and finds individual people who are bruised and broken, who are lame and discarded. And he sees them and he heals them. He defends the woman caught in adultery who had every right in their legal system to be stoned to death. And he stands up for her and he sets her free. And he proclaims that this is the year of our Lord's favor. So the Savior did come, but he came in a totally different way. And I think in our heart of hearts, we want our Savior to be Wonder Woman. We need our Savior to be Wonder Woman. It is too hard to live life and to make it through all the complexities that life throws with us. And we just need a strong Savior who's going to make things right. And humans have looked for strong saviors all of human history, and it has never gone well to put all of our faith and trust in a strong man or a strong woman. But we are called to put our hope and our faith in Jesus Christ. Like Art said, we're starting a brand new series. I could not be more excited about a series um, than the one that we're doing. The series that we're doing is this. We are called to be good news to a world that is desperately in need of it. That's the call of every Christian, every follower of Christ, anyone who's moving towards Christ. If you're moving towards Christ, then you have to know that the call on your life is for you individually. The human version of you is to be good news to a world that is in desperate need of it. Everyone gets the world is broken. Everyone gets that everything, the wheels seem to be falling off. And where are we in the story? We can't be in the story where we are just waiting for the strong woman, the strong man to come and save the day. But Jesus says, no, no, Today the scriptures were fulfilled in me. And the way that Jesus did it in this is totally weird, backwards way. The kingdom of God, the mustard seed, this one-on-one-on-one to the, the poorest and most marginalized. And somehow this group of ragtag people in the cuts of, of Judea ended up changing the world because they saw themselves as being good news to a world that is in desperate need of it. And I think sometimes we get so passive waiting for the really strong, smart great people to to change the world for us. And we forget, we've abdicated that it is our job to take on the mantle of Christ, to now be attached to the body of Christ, and to do the work of Christ to proclaim good news to the poor, to set the captives free, to to uh, provide freedom to the oppressed, and declare that this is the year of God's favor. That is our task. So this, like I said, I love the movies. Um, this, uh, Wonder Woman was a great movie. But I think there was, there was another movie this summer uh, that, that came out that I think actually um, gives a great hook, a way to kind of mentally get your head around what God might be inviting us to do. Uh, the movie uh, was about um, this battle at Dunkirk. And uh, I'm not going to lie, it was a little bit too artsy for me. I was expecting more of like Saving Private Ryan, but I, I, I got into my artsy deal at the end. Um, but it was an incredible movie. And the reason why it was an incredible movie is because it's an incredible story. Story. Now, Wonder Woman's a great story, but it's not real. Have you ever noticed some of the best movies, some of the best stories? are real life, real weird things that I, you cannot believe that that actually happened in human history. And Dunkirk is one of those stories. There was this battle um, in the beginning of World War II, the Germans were full aggressors. And, uh, and, the, and during the, the, the late spring of 1940, Germans said, we're gonna, basically, we're gonna go take over France. And they, with overwhelmingly, overwhelming force, went into the Netherlands, through Belgium, and wiped out France. Over two million casualties happened to the French uh, and allied troops. Uh, the Germans lost only about 167,000 people in that whole battle. A month-long battle, the Germans came over and wrecked shop. Well, everyone, um, before that happened, World War I, they learned all these lessons. Oh, we have the Maginot Line. We have all these defenses. And so all the British and French troops kind of set up shop on these defenses. They figured this is how we're going to defend ourselves from the Germans. But the Germans went around and destroyed them and just kicked their butts, and they ran uh, to the coast, right? And so Dunkirk is this little town on the north of France, and there's only ocean behind them right the german forces have advanced and there's almost like there's 400,000 brits and uh, another 200,000 uh, french and belgians and they're all on this beach and there's nowhere to go because the germans have come and they've they've, they've taken out the other ports where the big ships could come in and they're stra- and they're trapped 400 of them well i think the story of dunkirk and the evacuation story of dunkirk i think gives us a great picture of what jesus might be inviting us to do what it really looks like to be good news in a world that desperately needs it. The first thing that I think all of us would agree on is that our world is fundamentally broken. Our world, the place that we live, is awful. Now, it'd be great if we lived in a time in an era where we had no news, and we just lived in Marin, and we're like, oh, it was a little bit hot a couple weeks ago. I'm like, that was so awful. But we live in a world, and we have access to the whole, uh, to the information that's going on everywhere, and because of that, we know that there is awful, awful atrocities happening all over the world. There is war, there is famine, there are refugees, there are poor people, there's sex trafficking. I mean, every time you look, even in Marin, right, you can look behind the beauty of Marin and there is awful, awful things going on here, right? You look at all the hurricanes and the devastation and you just think, and I remember when Irma came, the the one, the the hurricane to go to Florida, and everyone's like, what is going on? It just felt overwhelming. Like, we get like one hurricane every now and then, but another back-to-back hurricane or, you know, there's another war and another thing and it's just crushing, and I think almost all humans would just get that we live in a deeply broken world. Now, where I think we miss the mark is that we take war or racism or sex trafficking or natural disasters or poverty, right? We take these big things we go, it is so bad. It's this big, faceless, awful thing, and hopefully Wonder Woman will come in and save the day. But what we, I think, are called to do is recognize that this broken world, these big things, they actually have real-life horrific consequences. That there are real, live people, humans, made in the image of God, who are just decimated and uh, having their lives turned upside down. In the movie Dunkirk, uh, the, it follows this guy Tommy. Just, he doesn't even get a last name in the, in the movie. Um, but there's this picture where they're all on the, they're all on the beach— Rick, there we go. And they're all on the beach. And so there's this battle. There's World War II happening. People are dying everywhere. And here there is this group of humans, human beings made in the image of God on this beach, and they are trapped. War is awful, and there are real-life humans. In this case, there's the this, this, this story of Tommy, right? This real-life British soldier who is trapped. And I think what's helpful for us as a church to realize that we do not fight the big, bad boogeyman of all the bad things. But we are the body of Christ and we come and we bring good news to the actual human beings who are in desperate need of it. Because the result of war and hurricanes and sexism and, uh, and, and human trafficking and racism and every awful thing that's happening around are real life human beings made in the image of God who are having their lives just crushed around them. And we think we only want to handle the, the big top shelf issues. And the church uh, and there are some big top shelf issues to deal with, but most Christians have kind of abdicated the human-on-human, real-life care. I talked to my friend who's who's down in Houston, and and it's wild to think Houston and the flood, and then to actually talk to my friend whose house has been ruined. Like, your house is ruined. Like, your real house, like, with your real savings is really gone. Like, that's a real-life thing, right? When there's real-life people and awful things, and, and I hear this all the time. People go, well, the Marine Covenant is so great, but everyone's kind of too perfect for me because, you know, we have nice chandeliers and everyone looks so beautiful, What you do. Um, but I know because we get our prayer requests, and every week there's real-life brokenness and awfulness that's happening in and among our community. Losing jobs, marriages falling apart, being di- diagnosed with cancer, parents with Alzheimer's. That's just some, a tiny sliver let alone the big bad things that happen all over the world. And so when we recognize that we're not just battling the big, big boogeyman of awful, broken worlds, but that there are real-life human beings who are being crushed by the big bad world. And those real-life humans need good news. And this is where the story of Jesus is so incredible, because you have been called To be the bearers of good news to the real life people who are in desperate need of it. In the story of Dunkirk, this old guy, uh, Mr. Dawson, he's an old guy during World War II. What can he bring to the table, right? uh, He's too too old to fight. He doesn't have a lot of wealth or political pull, I'm sure. Um, But he heard that there were 400,000 Brits trapped across the English Channel. And so what does he do? he answers the call. He gets his boat and his son and he goes across the channel and follows the call to go and rescue these people. And this is what's so incredible, that God, the way that God set this up, I I mean, we long in our hearts, if we're honest, we long for Wonder Woman to just come and do it for us. But God has never done that. From the very beginning, God told humans, oh, sorry, go back one. God told humans um, and said, listen, here's the deal. Adam and Eve, your job is to be stewards over all of creation. That's your job. Noah, your job is to build a boat. Moses, your job is to rescue my people from slavery. Um, you know, Samuel, your job is to be my prophet. David, your job is to be my king. Deborah, your job is to be a judge. Um, Peter, your job is to be my follower. Isaiah, your job is to be a prophet. Right? It goes on and on. Mary and Martha, your your job is to be my follower. It is your job. And we as Christians, as just mere broken human beings who are flawed and dysfunctional and have so much garbage of our own, somehow Jesus through the Holy Spirit invites us in to be part of His body, to be part of His redemptive plan to say, you are worthy. Your gifts, your abilities, you are called. You are God's masterpiece created for good works. You're not just His masterpiece to put on a shelf, but you're created for good work. You're God's co-laborer. Right, Paul says, I plant and you water and I plant and you water, but God causes faith to grow. God does part, but he wants us to do other parts. You're a kingdom of priests. That's what you are. You are called by God. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you have to know in the core of your being, you are called by God, not just to go to heaven someday when you die, but you're called by God to be the ambassadors of good news to a world that desperately needs it. Your job is not to be the the, the line in the sand in the culture war or the big judge about your your nephew or niece who's out of control. That's not your job. Someone else will take care of that. That's not your job. Your job is to bring good news, to take your gifts, your abilities, and to usher them in. So everyone's called. That's the deal. If you're at church and you're moving towards Christ, you are part of the solution. You are not part of the problem. That's good news. Here's where it gets a little bit challenging. This is the, the one that we're going to be spending our whole series on. The question is, do you have the right resources to do what God has called you to do? Do you have what it takes? I love this uh, Mr. Dawson. You know, he, he, he didn't have what it took to answer the call to go and fight the Germans. He was too old. He didn't have the political power to go and go to, to Churchill and go, listen, man, that's an awful, stupid strategy. I'm going to tell you what's really up. Like, that wasn't his world. What did he have? He had this tiny little boat that held his family that's what he brought to the table. He heard the call to go and bring good news and to rescue these people who were trapped across the channel. And so what did he do? He took this little thing that he had, this little tiny boat, um, and, he, and he drove it across the channel and he rescued a couple people. That's what he did. That's what he brought to the table and was able to do. And what's interesting is I think all of us, if we get that we are called by God, then we have to take a look and go, what are the resources? What are the things that God has given us to do? Every single person in this room has been given a sphere of influence, has been given things that you are able to do that no one else is able to do. Some of your spheres of influence are incredible. It is gigantic. I cannot believe the things that you get to touch and influence for the kingdom of God, the problems that you are solving. It is wild. Other people have a really small sphere of influence. Our middle schoolers, they have a sphere of influence. It's not huge in the big world, but at their schools, they have this sphere of influence where they actually have a say and a space to bring good news to a grouping of people. What I think is challenging, though, is for us to realize that there are gifts and abilities that God has given us. But I think if we're honest, most of us have kind of let those gifts and abilities atrophied. Well, maybe just I have. I feel like the world is too big. The problems are too big. What can little old me do to the big bad world? And so I'm paralyzed watching the news, and so I go to the movies and eat popcorn. And I find myself, I, just, I, I make my world nice and small, and I'm just paralyzed. Instead of realizing there are human beings that I interact with every day. There's a sphere of influence that I have every day. And because I'm so busy and so paralyzed, I don't even see them. I don't even pay attention to them because I'm so paralyzed. And I'm just hoping that Wonder Woman's at some point going to save the day. But how wild if I got that I am the ambassador of good news. I am the one who's part of the body of Christ. I am the one who's been called by God to go and to bring good news. And then all of a sudden, when I bump into someone who's not having a good day and going, well, that's fine. I got to go do my thing. But to stop and just wait. And maybe there's something that I have in my being and in my character and in my wallet that actually will help that person and be good news in that moment. All of us have been given gifts and abilities. All of us, but those gifts and abilities, I'm sorry, have to be nurtured and have to be developed we have to be able to then leverage those things. This, uh, this opportunity to go to Houston is, is so incredible. Doing youth ministry for so long and, and having little kids, I've never had any space. Different opportunities have come up like this from now, now and again, and I've never been able to go on a trip like this because of whatever. And all of a sudden, I found myself in a place where I have some savings. This is crazy. I have Ben and Shelley. Youth group's going to be fine. My wife and I are in a good enough place that I can leave for four days, and we're going to still be okay. There's been other seasons, right, where it hasn't been that way, any of those things. And I haven't been able to go on the thing that God called me. But on this trip, I'm like, oh my goodness, I have the resources. I have the space. You have called me and I get to go and spend a weekend to be good news, leveraging the little bit of resources and gifts and abilities that I have. That's what I get to do. And you all have your version of that in your world. And so for the next six or eight or ten weeks, I don't even know how long the series is going to go, but we have all of these different ways that we as a church are going to think about and wrestle and go, what would it look like if we really got that we, as followers of Christ, are called to be good news to a world that is in desperate need of it? In all these small and little ways, if the world needs this, well then what do we need to be doing? What is the the inner work that we need to do to get there? Because the only way that we are going to truly be all that God wants us to be, to truly be good news, is that we have to kind of step back and do a little bit of an inventory and recognize that there is some spiritual work that has to be done in us. And no one really likes doing spiritual work. We want Wonder Woman to save the day. But the best thing is that Jesus gets that we need spiritual work. He made a way for us to be connected to God. He's offered us forgiveness and grace and power and transformation. And so God's inviting His people to come into His presence with their hands open and say, okay, do what you need to do in me. Develop what you need to develop in me so that I can be part of your plan. So that I can be a fully functioning part of the body of Christ, ushering in good news to a world that is in desperate need of it. And it is hard. I'm not going to lie. I like being really worried and really busy and being aware of everything and then going home and just going, I don't know, Lord. It is so hard for God to go, Ben, you need to slow down. You need to open your mouth. You need to give some of your emotions. You need to try to actually engage other human beings. Like, it's really hard for me. But if I'm going to be good news, I can't just have good thoughts, right? I have to be a human being involved. These are the things that God's doing me just in the beginning of this series. But I cannot wait what it's going to be like when our whole church, for a whole season, thinks, God, you have called me to be part of the solution. You've called me to bring in um, good news in a way that's actually going to change real people's lives, real life situations. It is incredible. It is incredible. So what I want to do is I want to invite you to take out um, a little piece of paper or your bulletin. I have three quick questions, and I'm just going to give us a minute and a half or so, or until it gets a little bit awkward. And uh, and just want you to think about these three questions. To whom are you called? Every single person in this room has a sphere of influence. You have a grouping of people, that you, real humans, that you actually interact with, that you touch, and that you have an opportunity to do life with. So who are they? Write them down. Write their names down. I think it's also helpful to think about what gifts do you possess physically and spiritually to bring good news? In neutral, I look around my friends in this room and I think of all the ways that I come up short. You guys are incredible. The things that you guys bring to the table are incredible. And so in, in, in neutral, I just think, well, I could never do that as well as this person. I could never be this as, as great as that person and it paralyzes me. So not in a weird, prideful, egotistical way, but just do a quick inventory. What has God given you? What resources has God put in front of you? that you can leverage for him? And the last question, you can tell I didn't edit that well. Um, But what work needs to happen in you so that you can truly be good news to a world that desperately needs it? If you're gonna really leverage your sphere of influence, if you're really, going to use your gifts and ability, chances are there's some spiritual work that God needs to get inside of you and rearrange and massage and to heal and to transform. What's so wild is it's different for every one of us. But we believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and active and he's already nudging you, already revealing to you, already saying, maybe consider leaning into this. The thing I want to close with is this: that your sphere of influence matters. We all want to be to be around Wonder Woman. We all look to the people who are the most powerful and the most in charge, and we want them to save the day. And we think, what is my little tiny sphere of influence? My son, who's a middle schooler, and his little four friends. What possibly can he do for the kingdom of God? Right? What can you do for the kingdom of God? Mr. Dawson taking his boat that holds seven people. He got 25 people on that boat. That was incredible. And he comes back. But what's so incredible about the story of Dunkirk is it wasn't just Mr. Dawson. It was Mr. Dawson and thousands and thousands of other people who took their little boats. And because of all of these people took all of their little boats, they weren't like, Churchill, you're so stupid. And they all protested Churchill. They all took their little boats and they went across the, the channel And they rescued 340,000 British soldiers. That's why it's an incredible story. That's why there's a movie about it. There's other wars, I mean, other battles that didn't get a movie because they did not end that well. But this one ended well because it was human beings taking their little sphere of influence, their little boat, and just going trusting that whatever they do, their little part of it matters. They don't get the whole big bad picture, but they get their little part of it. And they were faithful and obedient to their thing. And the cumulative effect was good news happened and all those men were saved. And God is inviting us as a church, our little church, Marin Covenant Church, our little lives, but think of the cumulative effect of just our little community. And what if more and more Christians just in Marin got that and throughout the United States and throughout the world. If we all got that, we just need to be faithful to our little context, to our little sphere of influence, to usher in good news to a world that desperately needs it I think the church, I mean, the world actually might care what the church has to say and think and need the good news that we have to offer through Jesus Christ. All right, let me pray for us and then we'll call it quits. Heavenly Father and our gracious God, I thank you that you are so generous to your people. I think you must be so heartbroken at this world that you created with all of your hopes and dreams and creativity and beauty and human dignity, and then to watch sin and just destroy and lay waste to this, your creation. But in your weird and unique way, you've invited your creation to partner with you into the redemption of all things. It's not how I would do it. I can't even believe that you would invite me, invite us to be part of it, but part of the way you set it up is that you long for us to be your body, to be your co-laborers, to be your priests. So God, have your way with us. May every interaction we have today, this week, from here on out, be one that is seasoned with grace and mercy. May we use whatever tiny little bit of influence we have, whatever little bit of resources that we have, may we use them all for your honor and for your glory so that this broken world may truly experience your good news. And all of God's kids said, amen.